project. Today I have one of my special guests, <laughs> um, Dr. Keith Burton and Keith Augustus Burton. Dr. Keith Augustus Burton. And we will be discussing a pretty hot topic that I'm really annoyed about. We'll go into why soon. Okay. Today we were talking about critical race theory. <laughs> um, really? <laughs> like, you know, no. Um, so let's start with this. Dr. Burton, can you please define what critical race theory is? <laughs> Actually, wait, no. Before I go into that, I know I, I'm shuffling you. I'm sorry. But before we get into that, I just want to talk about the why for a split second before we okay, get into the cool. what, right? Um, so critical race theory has been a very hot topic recently for um, a lot of parents opposing it being taught to their kids in schools, in grade schools. So we've seen a lot of uproar parents upset about their kids learning about critical race theory. We've seen parents protesting. We've seen people get let go because they are promoting critical race theory that happened recently with the principal in in texas um and and to be fair i don't know if he stepped away or he was let go but he was put on leave right so this is something that the country is is really honing in on and talking about a lot right now and this is why we're having this conversation so now dr burton mm -hmm. can you um can you please explain the definition of critical race theory well so critical race theory and again thanks for having me on the ignorance project it's always a pleasure to be on here with you miss <laughs> burton since you call me dr burton i can call you miss burton mm -hmm. yeah and so um that that actually seems like a simple question but it's not it's mm -hmm. almost like you're in court and uh you're on the witness stand and the justice answer is yes or no, you know, and they said yes or no, and you, but it's just not as simple as yes or no, you know, okay. because um, you uh, mentioned uh, the cases around the country where people's jobs are being threatened, mm -hmm. where you see women crying in in school board meetings saying, "Oh, they want to teach my children critical race theory, etc." And you know, um, really, what we see happening on the news, particularly as we look at uh, the press that's being channeled through outlets like Fox News, etc. What's basically happened is um, some folk kind of hijacking the term and using it for their own nefarious purposes. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at this whole concept of critical race theory, um, it actually has its home in something called critical legal studies. And so it was something um, that was taught in law schools. It was actually... Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Can we pause here for yes. a second, right? Because I remember when this, this whole thing first started, my first thought was, I can never recall learning about theories in grade school. That's more of a collegiate level concept that you start to learn as you get older. But even then, I didn't really delve into theories until my master's program, right? So hearing kids, people be upset about kids learning about critical race theory, I'm like, when are they learning this stuff? So, okay, keep going there. Okay. I, I just wanted to interject. <laughs> All right. So looking at um, critical legal studies. Okay. okay. And uh, critical legal studies is a um, branch of law. And I'm not a lawyer. Neither mm -hmm. am I the son of a lawyer. But I know a little something. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> and, and critical legal. Wait, pause. So yeah. all that you need to do to have credentials is like be the kid of someone. That's That's basically what you're saying. That's that's another okay. topic. Anyway, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so, 
Call anyway, me doctor. Yeah. Okay. I'll call you doctor, uh, miss. But anyway, um, so, so critical legal studies, it kind of um, came to the fore in the uh, 1960s, 1970s. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're basically looking at law, not necessarily from a cookie-cutter, hand-me-down perspective, but looking at law critically, you know, why do we have these laws? Mm-hmm. Um, why is the structure, the judicial structure, the way it is? And so um, part of um, critical uh, legal studies began to look at the issue of, 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 of race in the law. Okay. Okay. And so we look at the issue of race in the law, and uh, um, we have um, teachers, I believe it's at Harvard at the time, like uh, Derek Bell, mm-hmm. um, who actually, you know, started a course and, 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 and wrote, wrote, wrote a book on the way in which the American law is biased against uh, black people and other people of color. Okay. And so uh, we have a number of the students and others, and it wasn't just uh, Derek Bell. There were um, others too, uh, Richard Delgado, I think his name was. He mm-hmm. was a Mexican-American. And, mm-hmm. and uh, um, there was a, another scholar from, um, from Hawaii. You know, so there were others. And so it wasn't just black folk. There were a number of people who were a part of this okay. um, who basically said, listen, you know, uh, we need to think about why our laws are how they are mm-hmm. because again what a theory is a theory is saying we recognize that something is there we recognize there was a problem now let's try to find out why there is a problem so critical race theory um starts with the recognition that the laws of the united states of america are biased against certain people and they're trying to understand why this is and so in um, 1989, I think it was. Before you go, yes, keep go going, ahead. let's, go let's uh-huh. pause here for a second, uh-huh. right? Because, um, of course, one, it makes sense that it sounds legalistic because it started in, it starts with law school, mm-hmm. right? Um, but this, the second thing that I want to say is, as a person in, I'm going to even say sixth grade, how old are you in sixth grade? I Let's not do the math. I, I, yeah, I don't recall. think I was in sixth grade. grade you were like 12, 12, 12 years old. Let's go with that. 11, 10, but you, you kind of started school early, so you're probably like 11, maybe Let's, 10 and a half. Okay. Let's say 11. That sounds like a safe okay. number, okay. and I'll, I'll find out after. Um, but let's say in sixth grade, right? Because mm. I, I would say I, I recall learning one about like the civil rights movement and you learn a lot about slavery. You don't learn much about black history past slavery as if that's where we started, right? But that's that's another conversation for another day. Um, but what I don't recall learning is, or even discussing is the reasoning behind why the, the laws are unfair. Meaning like, you, you know that, okay, this is horrible that Jim Crow existed, but you're not debating at that age. You're not debating why Jim Crow was wrong. Like you kind of know right and wrong and yes and no and like, okay, this sounds horrible. We shouldn't have done this, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of going back to that point where you're not having the these debates at a young age for why certain laws are rule are are wrong, why there's a lack of equity mm-hmm. across the board. What is it that parents are upset about? Yeah. And again, it's all about the mischaracterization. And so that's why I started out saying that sometimes in a um, court of law, mm-hmm. someone asks a question, you know, or someone, yes or no. And, you know, like, what am I really responding to? Right. You know, right. and so um, when dealing with this whole issue of critical race theory, first of all, uh, it's sort of an academic 
don't use the word. I don't want to. I don't want to use the word discipline, but it's mm -hmm. sort of an academic area mm -hmm. uh, which started um, in the legal uh, studies where uh, folk began to analyze and think about how race, this whole concept of race and white supremacy, um, has impacted American laws, right? Yeah. And so it started there. And I was mentioning the 1989 conference at the University of Wisconsin-Madison mm -hmm. uh, as a mm -hmm. Kimberley. Kimberly Crenshaw was another, mm. you know, top name in um, critical race theory. Right. Um, she, she, she basically put this together and they sort of defined what critical race theory was at that time. But again, yeah, okay. it was lawyers. It was legal. You right. know? Now, now um, from the 1990s, etc., we see it's um, up being applied to different areas. Mm -hmm. But it was basically something that was taught in graduate level legal studies programs Okay, and it wasn't even anything that was embedded in the curriculum. Okay, this was something that um, <laughs> a student could take, mm -hmm. you know, as an elective course. Mm -hmm. As an elective course. Now, of course, in some schools, wow. I'm sure okay. it's more embedded now, <laughs> right. etc. Right, and right. so um, that's basically what it is. And so mm -hmm. when we look at the tenets of critical race theory, because I've spoken about okay, um, the realm, mm -hmm. the academic realm in which it dwells, mm -hmm. but some of the tenets in which it's um, on, on, on which it's built is this whole notion, uh, for instance, that there is this whole concept of white supremacy um, where the laws that are supposed to benefit um, all Americans only benefit a certain subsection of America, right? right. And so um, this whole notion of um, of equality, this 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 liberal notion of equality, which which is actually behind Plessy versus Ferguson, mm -hmm. you know, um, Plessy versus Ferguson, that's the um, court that sort of sorry the court decision. I know I'm talking about myself today, mm -hmm. but that's sort of the Supreme Court decision that um, uh, did away with segregation in schools, etc. Mm -hmm. et and it was supposed to be something to counterbalance the fallout of Plessy versus Ferguson, which was back, what was it, 1896, Plessy yeah. versus Ferguson, etc. You know, so it's, so it's supposed to counterbalance all that. Uh, but the whole notion of busing, you know, taking students from one school to another, mm -hmm. we're all equal, etc., doesn't deal with the underlying problem. Right. All right. And so um, critical legal studies, particularly critical race theory, is looking at the way in which the laws are made, the laws are administered, and basically saying, okay, if we're doing it without a recognition that there's inequity, you know, then, then, then what we're doing could be more harmful mm -hmm. for the people we're supposed to be helping than helpful. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's that recognition. Um, another um, tenet of, of critical race theory um, is. Uh, the understanding that the concept of race is a social construct. Right. Right. And what does that basically mean? Well, um, ultimately, we are humans, right? We're, we're all humans. Mm -hmm. And um, we often like to simplify things. And so folk categorize race. And so you got white, you got black, you mm -hmm. got Latinos. It's a social construct. And what does that mean? Well, um, if we look at the development of whiteness in the United States of America, development of whiteness uh, wasn't something that was automatic. People were invited into the white it's club. It's evolved significantly. Yes. And so, yeah. yeah. And so at one time, Irish weren't white. Right. Italians. You know, um, Italians, you know, Jews. there was uh, there, there, Jews. <laughs> yeah. you know? In fact, there's a great book, um, uh, The Guarded Gate by Daniel Orkent, mm -hmm. which basically uh, talks about how this concept of whiteness 
you know, um, has been developed to, to include more people in the club. Mm-hmm. And even, uh, again, thinking critically about race as a social construct, you know, um, we have a lot of people talking very loosely about Latinos. All right. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, you know, uh, when you look on the news and they're saying, well, the Latinos, are Latinos, I mean, how is how are Latinos a race? Mm-hmm. You know, there are black Latinos, there are white Latinos, you know, but even as we look at how um, the way in which societal uh, mores are shaped, we have these constructs which are made by the powerful, usually um, uh, the white privileged folk. Uh, they have these social constructs in which they include people because it's easy to control that way. Right. It's yeah. so easy to control. I know Tana Hefsi Coates has this concept that I love. Um, he talks about it in a few of his books, including, I think, Between the World and Me. Mm-hmm. But he talks about, when he when he talks about race, he'll say those that believe themselves to be white those that believe themselves to be black right and i've always loved how he phrased that because i mean what just the the origin of of white and black (laughs) for some reason one we're the the only two races that identify as actual colors that you'd see in a crayola box which has always fascinated me right but just this um like you said this evolution of whiteness this I can't, I really can't say there's an evolution of blackness, but evolution of whiteness specifically, just because like you're saying, there have been so many groups that have, I have like expanded that definition to make sure that they're included. Or I even think about, um, this might be a little bit more touchy, but everything that was happening a few months ago, my, my concept of time is typically skewed, but with the Asian community, mm-hmm. um, and a, a lot of, um, violence against the Asian community, which is horrible. Um, but the the quickness with which Congress passed those laws against Asian hate crimes, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as a black woman, <laughs> seeing all all of the um the the violence against my community mm-hmm. and seeing how long it takes to even one start a conversation, much less have it, much less talk about putting certain laws in place that are helpful for people in our community. Um, That kind of caused a lot of friction, I'd say, within the black community, because it's like, okay, we've, that needed to happen, 100% that needed to happen. But we're also going through these things. And and it's been publicized for a lot longer without having that same sort of immediate reaction. Um, So although, you know, you definitely can't say like, oh, the definition of white was expanded to include Asians, you can say that um, there, you see the difference with how this was approached with the Asian community versus how it's consistently approached with the black community. Yeah. And so, and and again, we're looking at a tenet of um, critical race theory that Mm. basically says that racism is inherent, it's inherently entrenched in U.S. laws, you know, and so um, the example that you just raised um, demonstrated that we have a racist system where those who make the laws are primarily white folk, whether they're right. Republican or Democrat, they're primarily white. Okay, something happens, 
um, against another minority group. Mm -hmm. It's not the black minority group, mm -hmm. but this minority group um, is more accepted. You know, Isabel mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> Wilkinson cast. You know, so so I so think yeah, yeah, yeah. I about this. <laughs> like but, but, but 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 they're 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 higher up on the hierarchy, mm -hmm. right? So they they're gonna get help. You know, and this is what critical race theory is basically looking at the way in which. Um, our understanding, our sometimes is, is sort of an implicit, unconscious understanding of race impacts the way in which we make laws, right. in which we pass laws, in right. which the law is implemented. You know, and so um, we have, for instance, even it's funny how you mentioned um, the uh, uh, um, Asians being sort of a separate category, but again, this whole notion of whiteness. Mm -hmm. You know, do you know if you're from the Middle East, according to the United States, you're white? Yeah. That's true. Right. Yeah. And so if you're an Egyptian, African, yeah, yeah. you are white. Yeah. And there was actually a case back in the 1920s or 1930s, actually, mm -hmm. um, where a guy from Syria wanted to be um, classified as white. Mm -hmm. And guess what? He he won. He won. They said, we will do this. Right. And then he, he lived down south somewhere and people still treated him the same. And he was like, what's going on? I'm white just like you. Are. They're like, you know. and so, but but this, 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 this whole negotiating whiteness, mm -hmm. you know, and what things that will be done sometimes to appease and to make it seem as if there's inclusion. But in reality, the whole concept of whiteness, even as Lyndon B. Johnson realized, you know, um, is is something that you have sort of the the wealthy on the top create to put a buffer mm -hmm. between them and other people, usually black people, okay, who they've done so much evil against. And so they now have a willing group of whites who feel that their whiteness protects them. And right. how, how does the whiteness protect them? Again, critical race theory. The whiteness protects them uh, because, you know, the white police officers work for them, all right? The, work, the white police officers represent them. The whiteness protects them because they could be like this Rittenhouse fellow who mm -hmm. leaves Illinois and goes to another state, kills two people, and may just get off. Yeah. Because as a white person, um, he's an automatic you know, um, law keeper, <laughs> in a sense. Um, he is given the privileges to carry a gun and to kill at will if he feels that the um, white um, hegemonical system is being threatened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to kind of go back to the point where um, we were discussing others being accepted as white, mm -hmm. um, I can't help but recall that moment in Get Out um, a film by Jordan Peele, where, um, well, spoiler alert, by now, if you haven't seen it, you should have, but I, I'm going to just say Okay, spoil it. Okay, spoil it, just go ahead and spoil it. Just spoil it. But there's this scene, right, where they're all um, together, and at the time, the main character doesn't realize that he is actually at an auction, <laughs> and um, he, he's a black man with a white girlfriend visiting her family for the first time and they have everyone over for a picnic that is the auction and um everyone there is white with the exception of or it will make more sense if you watch the movie but most people there are white with the exception of an asian man right 
And I, I think just going back to the point with acceptance of certain groups, mm-hmm. when there's this level of complacency where even if you're not fully involved in the wrong, but you're allowing it, you're not speaking out against it, mm-hmm. there's this acceptance. That's why you've got things like the token black person, mm-hmm. the safe black person. Mm-hmm. Um, those those people are always accepted in majority groups because they're not causing any friction. They're not speaking up. They're not um making making the majority feel um bad about how they're they're moving about how the laws that they make um mm-hmm. yeah you know, right? you know and, and as, as, as you raise that Shireen, you know um <laughs> white supremacy cannot work without the complicity of black folk oh yeah okay yeah. um you think and and i know malcolm x spoke about the house negro you know um, I, I'm not 100% with him with a house Negro because my great-great-grandfather was a house Negro. He was enslaved um, on the house, worked as a butler, you know, but he was a revolutionary. And I know that because I've read some things about him, right? But anyway, I understand the point he was making, right? And so you do have people who will carry the water. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to name names and shame people over here. I guess you all know who's <laughs> who out there, right? But there are some people, and, 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 and these black folk and Latino folk and Asian folk and others... Um, who have bought into this whole notion of white supremacy uh, will be the very ones um, who ensure that the vitriol and the hatred um, is legitimized. Mm -hmm. Okay, because they're the first ones who are going to go out there and say, well, yeah, yeah, I understand because that's not my experience and and they're doing that. But, but, But there's, you know, until some of them get stopped. Yeah. And they, and they may remember for a minute you know, until they think about the benefits that they're getting mm-hmm. uh, belonging to that white club. Mm-hmm. You know, but but can I go back to something I spoke about earlier? No. I, I raised earlier. I can't. Yes, go ahead. Oh, thank, you very much. <laughs> thank you very much. You can get your allowance this week. So, so, <laughs> so listen. So this whole notion of um, the embeddedness mm-hmm. of white supremacist laws and practices in the U.S. legal system is ironically being manifest now in this whole discussion of critical race theory. Okay. Please elaborate. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> now, so remember, one of the tenets of critical um, race theory is that, you know, white privilege, white supremacy mm-hmm. is embedded in the laws of the United States of America and in the whole legal system. So it's possible now uh, for um, certain white folk to redefine what is meant by critical race theory, to peddle this misunderstanding to the masses, Mm -hmm. to have women go to school board meetings and lobby their elective officials who now make laws that forbid the teaching of accurate history in the schools, right? So, so, so sorry. Um, um, I can I want to pause there too, right? Because that is what baffles me, and honestly, what I haven't personally done enough research on. Because, like I said, every time I see this headline in the news, I roll my eyes because it, it just—it's not accurate that kids are being taught this. So, mm. how has this been misconstrued to the point where now we've got laws where certain things won't be taught? Like, what are those things that are no longer going to be taught? in some schools, like in Alabama, because 
they're they're um, putting these these stops on critical race theory. Yeah, so interesting. It's all about folk being what they say now in their feelings, <laughs> right? Okay, <laughs> do they still say that? I guess I'm, I got an old soul. Okay, <laughs> old soul. yeah, yeah. So what folk being you know, and so there 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 are some some people who don't think certain things should be taught um, okay. from a certain perspective, from the perspective of truth. Because um, they're saying it's making, you know, their children feel like they are um, the culprits. They are the ones who did all this. And mm-hmm. so it feels like to them that their children are being victimized. Okay. And so it's a classic script. The victim flips the script. Mm-hmm. And not, 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 not the victim, sorry. I was gonna, uh, the okay. perpetrator <laughs> flips the script. Okay. All right. And pretends that he or she is the victim mm-hmm. or that group is the victim. Mm-hmm. And the sad thing about it is that you have a bunch of low-informed people who only get their news from one channel, from one source, mm-hmm. okay, who actually believe what they're hearing. Right. And so when they're crying these tears in their school board meetings, when they're pushing these laws, etc., uh, many of these people actually believe that they're doing something uh, to protect themselves. They feel that they are the minority. They feel that they're the ones um, who are being assaulted. They feel right. the laws are against them. So, okay, I, I still don't understand what's not being taught. So am I not learning about, or is my kid not learning about the civil rights movement? Is my kid not learning about Malcolm X? You know, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. You know. and, and, and of, of, of course, um, and that's the problem now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So the problem is you have the people who have captured a term and are using this term in a way in which it was never intended to be right. used. And are using a term that, initially applied to graduate studies and putting it from K to 12 education, mm-hmm. that K education, probably pre-K, kindergarten <laughs> education, you know. So they're using this term in a way to basically say if their child is in a class and hears something which mm-hmm. makes them feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. okay, um, then that thing should not be taught. And so a child should not come home and say, Mommy, did our people really do this to their people? Okay. And so what they basically want is a whitewashing. Of history. No pun intended. A white, oh, sorry, pun intended. A whitewashing of history. Okay. So they don't want people to see history for what it is, the real history, to um, be able to uh, learn from the mistakes of the past. Mm Mm-hmm. Probably because the mistakes of the past are still not the mistakes of the past. That's a good point. And you know, what's interesting to me, because I've, I've been reading a lot about this, right? Where, mm. where kids, like you said, are going home and saying, am I, I think I'm a bad person or whatever. But one, if, if you're teaching kids in a way where they're going home thinking that they are wrong for something that they never did, you're not teaching them the right way. Right. You should be teaching them. This is history. This is what happened. And you learn about it so that you don't. Yes, yes, yes and no. And this is, again, this is where critical race theory com- comes in. Uh, yeah, look at me like that. This is where critical race theory comes in, right? Okay. So um, critical race theory comes in here where no, um, that little kid in that chair may not have been the one to call the group together to lynch that black man in the public square. All right. But um, they have benefited and they are benefiting from those who did. They're benefiting from those systems, but, you know. And so from a critical perspective, all right, from a critical perspe- perspective, 
one could say, because you're looking at both sides, right? Being critical, looking at both sides. So one could say, well, you know, um, they shouldn't feel guilty because they, they didn't do it, etc. But then on the other side of the thing is they are benefiting from what is done. And they probably, for instance, I wonder how many white kids who live in integrated communities, who have black friends, um, whose parents have black friends, go home thinking, oh no, they said something bad about me. The kids who are doing this are probably kids who are living in isolated mm. communities mm -hmm. whose parents are only watching one TV channel. I'm not going to say what it is, FOX. Watching only one TV channel, okay? And, and, and um, I'm not exposed to the realities of this nation that there is still discrimination, that this is a nation that has never lived up to its promises. But so you didn't let me finish my point. Oh, sorry. Because what I was saying is... Those kids should not go home feeling guilty. They should go home feeling aware, right? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, this is the type of privilege that I have. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how can I, I make it more equitable? Mm -hmm. How can I be make sure I, I'm aware that as I go out with my friend, you know, we might get stopped by the cops because they look different than I do. How can I make sure that I, I'm an ally for that person as we move through life? That's what I mean when I say that. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, also, what I find really interesting is um, th this critical race theory argument has gone so far left at this point. When another approach to, to feeling like, oh, this is the history that they're learning and let's just stop teaching it to them. Let's, let's make sure that they feel okay would be, why don't we teach them more history? Because again, um, as I, I said in the beginning when we started, black history is not slavery. It's not just being enslaved people. That is that is one aspect of black history, right? Because it, it happened. Um, but there was so much more that happened. And yet in this country, as we learn about our history as black people, you if you don't do your own research you're just thinking like okay i came here on a you know my ancestors came here on a boat we worked for free we worked for i don't know why i put close there but we worked for <laughs> we were forced we did forced labor um and then there were all these laws we went through a lot of this crap and then now we're here instead of learning that one each island has its own history, right? Each mm -hmm. I, Haiti is a has a very rich history when you look at how um, they they uprised against their oppressors mm -hmm. and the too. Mm -hmm. yeah, the we don't learn about that though. Mm -hmm. We don't learn about when slavery ended in Jamaica or Barbados or you know all these different islands, and then we don't learn about African history to that mm -hmm. extent. We learn about Cleopatra, <laughs> but do we learn about um, what was happening in Kenya and what was happening? in Ethiopia they're just so much more than what we currently have in history books and I feel like a different approach to to not feel like that you know the only thing that happened to black people is this oppression and now they're here and I feel bad about it is other things happen too and let, let's make sure that we we're teaching all of that right and then again you know even as you say that we're looking at the um reason for critical race theory, mm. the reason for a theory to try to understand why the laws are biased in a certain way. And the question that, or, or the issue that you just raised has to do with who's making the laws, mm. okay? And so people are making the laws um, who do not have a world education. You're right. 
okay, who are taught about American history through one lens, mm -hmm. who have no interest in knowing what took place in Haiti, what mm -hmm. took place in Trinidad, not what, what even even what took place in Portugal or Canada. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they got no interest in that. Yeah. So, so they just have this narrow view um, that is based on um, a document that was really written with um, hypocritical motives. You know, when you write a document in 1776, we hold these truths to be self-evident. Mm -hmm. All men are created equal, that they're endowed by the creative certainty. But, you know, we, 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 we know that, 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 that was the initial, initial document right. basically um, emblazoning the um, notion of white supremacy on this nation because the men who were created equal weren't even all white men, mm -hmm. for goodness sake. Mm -hmm. You know, those were the white men as a, who were a part of that aristocracy, you know, who had the equality. Mm -hmm. Women certainly weren't included. Okay. And so when you look <laughs> again at the legal system in the United States of America, historically, mm -hmm. from the very beginning, it's been biased against certain segments yeah. of humanity. And all that's been taking place ever since that Declaration of Independence when sons turned against their fathers. Because mm -hmm. people need to understand this too. Again, look at this whole notion of race and geography. Because it was British who turned against, British sons who turned against their British fathers right. so that they can keep that slave money right. over here. That's, that, that's what that was all about. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> but oh, but guess, but guess what? Um, if I was teaching a public school right now in one of these areas that banned critical race theory, mm -hmm. I would have just lost my job. Yeah. Okay, because I presented an interpretation of history that may, you know, hurt the feelings of a descendant of George Washington. <laughs> right. So, okay, mm -hmm. let's talk about this, right? So, say I'm a parent in uh, an area where critical race theory is now banned, and I'm concerned mm -hmm. that my children are not learning what they need to learn about mm -hmm. the history mm -hmm. of this country um, in their personal history. Um, what what would you recommend as well, a parent? As a parent, I think it's important that you get involved. You mm -hmm. know, uh, we need more parents. I'm not just talking black parents, black parents, white parents, Asian parents, those who are um, interested in truth. We need those parents going out to those school board meetings, letting their voice be heard. Mm -hmm. You know, we need some of those parents to even try to, um, you know, form friendships or relationships with some people who have been so ignorantly brainwashed mm -hmm. so that we can get a sense of how their brains are working and also have an opportunity to say, well, hey, you know, that's what you've been told, but that's not what it is. But of course, in order to do that, because if you ask other black folk with critical race theories, they ain't gonna know either. Yeah. That's because <laughs> they they probably bought into the negative lane. Yeah. That happens all the time mm -hmm. when you allow people to 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 um frame the definition, mm -hmm. then they're the ones who often win the debate because you're arguing against something completely different than they're arguing against. And if they invented an understanding for that term, then they're going to argue more forcefully than you can because you guys are talking past each other. Exactly. And, you know, folk will leave the room thinking you're the idiot when you're <laughs> the one who really knows what's going on. Right. Right. Okay, I like that mm -hmm. homework. Um, befriending someone that doesn't look like you, that has different views, and you know that is honestly um, like the the guiding light of me setting up this ignorance project mm -hmm. is to have people have conversations about things that they're not 
um, one, comfortable speaking about, they're not aware of, and having like a safe space to have these conversations. Mm -hmm. So thank you for recommending that. Okay. As far as education, say Kaleem and I did not learn about... I mean, August and you? Yeah. August and I did not learn about our history. Mm. As kids, what would you have done with us when we came home? Wow. Well, um, we did supplement your learning. We, we got all them... That's true. Yeah, you got <laughs> I grew up doing work every summer. <laughs> but, and, and, and you're getting them... Then he would go on them roots videos and the eyes on the prize videos mm -hmm. and all that kind of thing, you know. Mm -hmm. So I do think we have a responsibility to expose you to certain things. And, you know, in our family, too, from a cultural perspective, um, you didn't just listen to gospel music. You, you, you got all reggae and everything, too. Right. Mm -hmm. So 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 we're, we're able to, So I, I think that's our responsibility. And um, if, even I know that we're not all into genealogy. Yeah, which is I, which me, is my which is which is my hobby, <laughs> okay. You know, but learning something about your past and your present, mm -hmm. you know, and um, being being um always ready to to defend your chores. I think like, now, now, of course, we kind of were we were kind of in a black environment, <laughs> you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah and and that that doesn't always. No, well, actually, I think it sometimes prepares you better for the real for the real world to tell the truth, because because you're you're not always fighting from day one, you know. And so you 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 had that year we went to pop up the school and it was sort of an all white you know environment etc. You know, and um, I, I I think you navigated that okay. I don't think that we've ever yeah. actually talked about that honestly, because I. I would say that was the first time I had certain experiences with my mm. peers that I did not expect. Mm. Um, I was actually thinking about this a couple weeks ago. I remember being in my English class. Um, one, the, the teacher at the time, um, may she rest in peace, beautiful soul. This older white woman, she was suffering from um, breast cancer. She was in mm -hmm. stage four at the time, but she just loved teaching. Mm -hmm. So although she was still in cancer treatments, that's something that she'd still, she just wanted to give back to the students. Um, I can't recall her name, but she's so sweet. Um, but I remember being in her class and her talking about how long she's been teaching at that school, I believe, um, in Alabama at least, and how she remembers integration. Mm -hmm. And she remembers fights that would break out where they would have to lock the doors um, because of, of students fighting with each other. And I remember, again, I grew up going to black schools, which I didn't realize was such a unique experience until I got older and, and met more people, especially people that looked like me that were like, what? I never had a black teacher. I'm like, all my teachers were black. That's that's crazy. Mm -hmm. um, or it, it was just a hard thing for me to understand at first. Um, mm -hmm. But anyway her having those conversations with us and I remember thinking like I can't imagine just sitting here and like race riots being right mm -hmm. outside of the classroom door and she's trying to keep her classroom um you know her classroom just calm mm -hmm. and I remember her talking about teachers that would bring guns to school because they were scared and I you know especially being a black woman in this country having a black brother Right. And just thinking like, man, he could say something that makes someone uncomfortable and, and them shoot him in that moment just yeah. because there's a misinterpretation there. There's on unfounded fears. Mm -hmm. um, I also remember the this 
girl behind me. This, she was a white girl sitting behind me and her talking to some of her friends and talking about a party that she went to and um, saying, you know, it was so hot and sweaty in that room. You know how black people stink, right? And then she realized that I could hear her and she, she apologized like, oh, I'm sorry. And then she just kept talking, right? So I had never been in an environment where I, I heard comments about black people from, from other groups um, experiencing just that subtle implicit bias and, and the subtle racism. That was very, I mean, those were a couple examples, but there are a few other things that I, I've never even thought to, to mention or talk about that right, happened right. in that moment. And with that being my first experience in mm. a non-Black environment, that maybe that's probably what led to me saying, I want to go back and go back to the school I was at before um, because there's just this level of, this level of comfort. It's definitely far from perfect, which is mm. a whole nother topic with <laughs> how <laughs> Black environments, Black schools can be run. Um, but the reason people keep going back is just because of the beauty of that safety in that um, in that moment. So I, I went back knowing, OK, I'm not going to hear anyone talk about my race. I'm not going to hear anyone like group me into a certain category just because I'm I'm not the right type of black or a different type of black. I'm just going to be able to go there and live my life and be myself. Now, mm. that's my experience. I can't say that's everybody's, <laughs> but that was mine. Yeah. But but even as you raise that, Shireen. <laughs> Well, looking at this tenet of critical race theory that basically says that racism is systematically systematically inherent in U.S. law. And so that person making that comment behind you, um, who knows what she's doing now? Um, mm -hmm. She could be a police officer. Mm -hmm. um, she could be a, 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 a state's attorney. She could be a prosecutor. She could be a judge. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, 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 and she has those biases mm -hmm. in her mind that will affect the way in which she applies the law. Yeah. Okay. And and, and, and and so again, remember, critical race theory acknowledges that there is a problem. Okay. Mm -hmm. Acknowledges that um, law is administered differently according to one's ethnicity. And it's basically seeking theories, all right, as to, or reasons, sorry, but why this is. And mm -hmm. so they're looking at Du Bois, you know, um, this whole idea of double consciousness. I mm -hmm. mean, these are the things that inform critical race theory. It's, right. it's, it's not like a standalone, but even though it's something that was developed in the, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, etc., you know, it's going deep into American history mm -hmm. and saying, this is how we can explain the disparities that we're seeing now. Right. And liberal whites, we love you and all that, but this whole thing of colorblindness doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, because, because, I know. because remember, that's another tenet of critical race theory. Right, right. That colorblindness is foolish. You know, and so the whole liberal notion of, well, we're all the same. Well, we're obviously not all the same. I got and, it. And, 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 and until you recognize that the impact of this socially constructed idea of race, until you recognize the impact that that has on our society, then the laws that are made will always be laws that put black people and brown people at a disadvantage. You know, I always think about um, when people say, I don't see color. And I think about just that scenario that you see in so many movies where it's like, cut the red wire, cut the white wire. If you mm. didn't see color, you blow up. 
right? Mm -hmm. You have to see color and it's okay. There's not an issue with seeing color. There's an issue with treating someone differently because of the color of their skin. So, but, but, and, and I would disagree with that. I would. I'm okay. very no, curious. No, no, no. The, the, the reason why I say that, and again, critical race theory, the fact that there are different experiences, all right? For instance, we look at the issues with the inner cities and, you know, um, Alabama Senator John Sparkman, mm. okay, um, right there in, 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 in Huntsville, mm. putting the precursor to public housing, etc. And we see how um, the laws they put in place that uh, if the father's in the home, it, 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 and, and so this, all this disintegration that takes place that um, uh, uh, results in, 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 in whole communities coming up that don't necessarily have the guidance that there was 50 years ago, 75 mm -hmm. years ago. And so they end up in that courtroom because of decisions that have been made for them by the legal system. So you're right? basically saying maybe it's not, it's being aware that someone's skin color could cause them to have a different experience but being the, empathetic the, about the, that. The, 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 being empathetic, because look, Khalid we speak about Khalid Browder all the time, mm -hmm. right? So Khalid Browder, from Brooklyn, right? So he's in this place, comes before a court, mm -hmm. can't afford to pay his bail. So he spends two years in Rikers Island because he can't afford to pay his bail. And so um, as a judge, you look at this young, young boy, where do you live, son? Mm -hmm. Okay, um, do you think your parents are away? And so you, you're going to take this into account. Mm -hmm. You're, you're going to take that color into account. And so what's happening, people are looking at color to advantage those who don't have black and brown skin. Mm -hmm. And if we're really thinking about having equitable justice, there are times when even in the legal system, you look at those who have been disadvantaged for many years and you're saying, well, yeah, I know this is the second time you're coming before this court. This is not a violent offense. I know I could give you, you know, two, two years over here, but this is what I'm going to do. Okay, so you're taking into account who this person is, their circumstance, their history. Right. And you're saying, I am going to um, do something that's going to help you and not hurt you because I feel your pain. Okay. I think that's a good note to end on. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Burton. I, I feel your passion. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, thank I might you. have to break this one up into two. Oh my goodness, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to send you a check, man. You break things up into two. We'll see. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for listening and taking part in the Ignorance Project. We want to hear from you too. What are your thoughts on critical race theory? Do you have questions? We can do a Q and A. If you're, oh, you know, that's right. yeah, we do that. Yeah, that might be a good idea mm -hmm. um, for us to just further dis this discussion and make sure that. You know, everyone has a good understanding. Or if you don't, like, don't feel intimidated. If you feel like this is, this makes sense to ban critical race theory, I want to hear that too. I want to hear everything. I want to understand how you're thinking. How, you know, I just want to hear. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Oh, now a great summary book, very easy to read, that can kind of give you, it's not on critical race theory, but it's written by my cousin, Claudia Rankin, who you um, have to get on your show. If you don't know Claudia Rankin, then you live another thing. She's from Yale University. But um, book I got up there called The White Card. 
read that book. I haven't read that one. I know I've yeah. read um, Citizen in American Larry Fire, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. very powerful piece, mm-hmm. um, piece of work because she's got several different points. Mm-hmm. I read.